0: The Lord always sends forth watchmen to warn. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth!
1: Many Christians in foreign lands are persecuted. They even die for their faith. Some gather secretly. COVID has some governments even stopping church gatherings altogether, and too many capitulate. Neither hot nor cold, Laodicea was lukewarm. The comfortable... Dead church, like many in America, but not every church is like Laodicea. Some thrive in difficult times, like the persecuted abroad. We compare and contrast what challenges the church faces today. Next, you can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered. But not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there, and no one. Has jurisdiction over the truth. We control the disease by controlling the information. You can't protect the public by lying to them. It's done every day. Jesus warned beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. They'll come like gentle sheep, sincere, who tell but that they're ravening wolves. The world turned upside down. Yes. We're here again with another episode of the World Turned Upside Down podcast, looking at how so many things are happening these days that point us toward the return of Jesus sometime soon. We don't know when, nobody knows when. Quite frankly, I think many of us would be happy if that were sooner than later. But in any event, um, we've got a, a great podcast lined up for you today. I have a special guest who will be joining me later. But I want to talk about, and I talked a little bit about it in the opening monologue. You know, many Christians across the world are being persecuted for their faith. Many are even dying for that faith. You look at things that are happening in China, and China being a communist government, does not take well to Christianity. If you have a Bible, you could be in some serious trouble. If you're gathering with other believers, you could also be in serious trouble. Other places like in the Middle East, where Bibles again are outlawed, the Word of God has no place in these Islamic countries. You see people who are meeting secretly and governments don't know what's going on. And Maybe they do know what's going on in some cases. But to keep the peace, they don't do anything about it. They pick and choose. All over the world we see persecution, yet here in the United States spe- specifically, and in North America, we don't know this type of persecution. America has been a free country. People have had liberty to exercise their faith, how they see fit. This is what this country was founded upon, what the founding fathers intended when they wrote the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. These inalienable rights given to us by God. So we don't understand many times. We can hear about the persecution that's happening and we sometimes see or read stories Rarely do we see things in the, the mainstream press about it, but we do have other sources that we can seek out to see what's happening in these places. And we have missionaries who are on the ground who know and report back to us what's happening. Now, the church throughout the ages has always found a way to deal with this persecution, and in fact, in many cases, most cases, the church has thrived under persecution. I'm sure thousands, if not millions of people who were in communist Russia and other places throughout the years came to know Christ because the persecution forced them to look for something beyond themselves, to look to a God to help them. Fortunately, we have the God of the Bible who helps us and hears us and listens to the prayers of the people who cry out to him. I want to get to uh, a story that is quite disturbing. It's one of several, but this one may be one of the most disturbing. It's not in the U.S., but it's actually in Canada. Wonderful Canada where the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who has his own communist bent, has uh, imposed many lockdowns, and we have lockdowns here in the United States as well, and some states are fully open, other states are still locked down, like California and, and New York and different places like that. But Canada, this is one of the most egregious um, It's about this Grace Life Church in Parkland, Alberta, Canada. They made headlines uh, back in March when um, some armed authorities showed up at their church gathering, uh, their worship service. And uh, these were actually armed guards. And you can go online and look and see that they have guns and uh, look very threatening. um, And they're trying to shut down this church service, there's a viral video out there of the preacher and he is telling them to get out. He's really going off on them. And uh, anyway, um, so the Alberta health services have physically closed Grace Life Church and actually prevented access to the building quote, until GLC can demonstrate the ability to comply with Alberta's chief medical officer of health restrictions. Now, that sounds bad enough on its own, but they actually built a chain link fence around the church building. Who would think that this would happen in a Western country? And it's just mind-boggling to me that it could happen, but we should know that things are going to get worse as we head toward the time when Jesus will return. You've seen lockdowns in California, and there are various preachers and churches who have uh, stood up against this, these government-imposed lockdowns, some of them even imposed by um, unelected bureaucrats. We have... uh, had one here in ohio who pulled the strings with our governor to uh, really lock us down and she eventually resigned because uh, a lot of pressure i think was coming to the state and ohio never really fully locked down everything and they were very very careful about the way they addressed churches they recommended that churches not meet or only in very small numbers. I think it was down to 10 or less at one point. But many still haven't complied. Now, this is not a, an argument about Romans 13 and how we should obey the authorities and all that. No, it's, it's not about that at all. It's about looking to see what's happening and how maybe some people's eyes are being opened up to not just what's happening in the globe across the world to other believers, But when you start to feel it here in your own country, it kind of opens your eyes a little bit to the things that are happening. America is not, well, it is an island, but it's its own continent, but we're not our own island. We are not the end all be all. We're the last place of freedom and liberty and light in the world at this point. And we certainly hope that that would continue but things don't look so good these days. The last three months, we've really sort of gone down the slope of things after four years of a sort of a respite, although it was a fight the whole time. But I want to talk about the church at Laodicea. How have we become in America so complacent? Are we like the Laodicean church, neither hot nor cold, And what is this imagery about? Because I think some people have a, uh, maybe it's a, a wrong teaching or a false idea of what it means to be hot or cold. And they're thinking that Jesus is saying that you should just be hot and on fire all the time. Well, yeah, I'm sure that he wants us to be on fire for him. But in this case, look at the context and do a little bit of exegesis to see who, Was being spoken about here and the culture of the time you see I did a little bit of research and read some commentaries and talked to some different people and Laodicea was located between two other cities Uh, One had I believe some sort of a well or spring that provided cold water and another one provided hot water so Depending on what you're looking for Either one of those could be good, but what was bad? bad was the lukewarm water. So sometimes you'd go to get cold water and by the time it made it to the people in the city, it was lukewarm. So you didn't like that. Sometimes you'd get the hot water and bring it, but by the time it got to where it needed to go, it was lukewarm, not desirable. So let's read from Revelation chapter three. This is verses 14 through 22. I'm reading from New American Standard Version, so just in case you want to follow along. Revelation three fourteen, to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches." Now, wow, what a passage here. Jesus is rebuking and really saves the worst for last. He speaks to the other churches, the other six churches before the seventh church at Laodicea, and he really doesn't hold back. He says he wishes that they were cold or hot, not just hot. So he's he's making the identifier here that lukewarm is not desirable. And yet they have all this wealth, all these riches, all the physical things that they need, but they're spiritually dead or they are not where they need to be. They're just there. And I think a lot of churches in America, specifically, maybe the West in general, have sort of this, well, as long as we can meet again next Sunday, we're good. They're not discipling. They're not getting out in their communities. They're not spreading the gospel. They're just existing. And what's the point of that? I like this verse, well, I don't like this verse because it's very cutting, but the verse it says, in verse 20, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. What is this saying about this church? It's saying that Jesus is outside the door. He is not in there. And if we're in a church that has this attitude or this mentality and Jesus is outside the door, then what are we doing? Now, you're probably thinking, what does this church at Laodicea have to do with the persecuted church? Well, I'm simply making a comparison here between the two. The persecuted church in many, in most cases, is thriving because of the persecution. We can't be blind to the fact that there will be persecution. And because America, the place of wealth, the place of plenty, where we don't experience as much poverty and lack that they have in other places in the world, we can easily become complacent and we start to think wrongly that the church is for us. And in theory, yes, the church is for us. It's for us to worship God, to give him the glory and the honor and the praise that he deserves. But the church, I'm putting that in quotes, the church, the people, the believers are supposed to be fulfilling what Jesus told us to do. And that's to go out into all the world, preaching and teaching, baptizing and making disciples so that people will know eternal salvation. Will America start to wake up as we see this persecution coming? Some of it right now, and maybe more. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I try to bring some lightness to this podcast because it's not all doom and gloom all the time. And today is a very serious topic, not that Most of the topics are not, but sometimes I like to make fun of the things that are happening with our politicians because uh, they are, well, they're pretty goofy. But I want to get right to it because I don't want to waste a lot of time on this uh, going in depth anymore now that we've set the stage for it. I have a guest with me today. And his name is Tom Weaver, and Tom is joining me, um, and uh, Tom is a traveling evangelist who travels uh, all over North America. He's been all over the U.S. and Canada. I don't know if he's been uh, anywhere further south than, uh, than the United States, but Tom is part of a, a ministry called Rock Solid Ministries. Um, so joining me now is uh, Tom Weaver, and uh, Tom, uh, thanks for joining us today.
0: Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Well, appreciate
1: your podcast. Yeah, sure. Um, appreciate you listening to it and, and being able to come on with us today. Uh, I know that you have your own podcast. We'll talk about that a little bit later from Rock Solid Ministries. But um, Tom, you are a traveling evangelist. And just to explain to people what exactly that means, because some people might not have any idea what a traveling evangelist is or what they do.
0: Well, you know that's true, and it's interesting. I've been doing this for seventeen years, after twenty-nine years in located ministry, like a lot of other preachers, and uh, I find a lot of young preachers don't know what a traveling evangelist is. <laughs> uh, basically, the the majority of what we do is uh, because there's a there's two teams that go out and do this from Rock Solid Ministries. Is we hold revivals, mm-hmm. and, and uh, yes, they do work in the twenty-first century. And more than that, they are needed in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what a revival is, is uh, you've been to church. If you've been to church on Sunday uh, and you've had an uplifting time or maybe a convicting time, uh, that would be like a revival, except it's expanded some. In days of old, it might go uh, anywhere from two to 10 weeks in a row now uh, because uh, it's kind of hard for Americans and Canadians to hold their attention too long we go uh, usually five messages in over four days Sunday mm-hmm. through Wednesday. And um, we talk mainly to the church, but we also talk to the unbelievers as well, if they're there, and give them opportunity to follow Christ. But a lot of it is trying to bring life back into the church. Uh, revival comes from the same word we get the word resurrection from. Mm. So we're trying to... I know this sounds funny when you talk about the church for somebody who doesn't understand. We're trying to raise the dead. And after years of being a local evangelist, and I love to win souls, mm-hmm. I, I can honestly tell you it is harder to raise the dead than to give birth. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been doing it now for 17 years, and that's what we do. We stay on the road uh, most of the year.
1: Mm-hmm. Tom, uh, you know, and a lot of people, I'm sure, think, oh, revival. They think of a, you know, big tent and, you know, back in the old days. And like like you said, it's it's still needed. And I think we can see uh, in America that a lot of churches are struggling. And um, it's this complacency. I don't know what you see when you go travel around, um, but are are you noticing this level of complacency? Is this a, a problem that's pervasive in uh, North American churches?
0: Absolutely. Uh, that, that was a reason for establishing this ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the church has become complacent. Of course, there's always been periods of time where it was complacent and great revivals uh, came about, mm-hmm. But the church has, well, they've sat back and they have said, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. Mm. It's like the story of the, of the Chinese Christian who visited many years ago in this country in the 70s or 80s mm-hmm. and visited many of the great churches around the country. And when he was getting ready to go home, he was asked, well, what do you think about the American church? And he said, I am absolutely amazed at what the American church has been able to accomplish without the help of the Holy spirit. Mm, wow! And uh, I think that is, that puts it in a nutshell is that the, the American church has said, we're, we're rich, we prospered and look at what we can accomplish. Mm. And they've decided we can accomplish it on our own. And it takes me from the scripture you used over to James five, where uh, we're told, That, that that gets to me and says a lot of where the American church has what we have come to, and we have relied so much on our programming and so little on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times when churches go to hire a minister now, they have a, a, a long, drawn-out form. You fill it out, and it's very corporate. Mm-hmm. But there's no question about uh, about biblical knowledge or does this man walk by the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a problem is that a lot of times we're even hiring people who aren't walking by the Holy Spirit to lead people who aren't walking by the Holy Spirit, which is why the church need, has died so much or so much of the church has died. Not everybody, not mm-hmm. the whole church, but there is a need for resurrection or revival mm-hmm. and not say that you can do it in a tent if you want to, but, <laughs> um, it, when we talk about revival, we're not talking about the old evangelistic meetings
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because it was the only show in town. People came out and they didn't have anything else to do. Uh, now there's much else to do. Mm-hmm. And we're going to speak to the church mostly mm-hmm. to say, get back on track and start winning souls to Christ and live the life that you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know who you belong to. Now mm-hmm. live like it. Quit living like an orphan if you say you're a child of the king, in other words.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself before um, asking you a couple other questions, but um, can you give us a little bit of background? You said you were in located ministry before. Like, tell our listeners where you're from and uh, and just a little bit of background and uh, how you became an evangelist. Sure. Well, first a located preacher and then an evangelist.
0: Uh, well, I grew up in West Arkansas in a mainline denominational church. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandfather was... a. Uh, had been converted later in life, uh, I'd say in his in his mid forties, and uh, he used to run moonshine in the Ozark Mountains and uh, <laughs> union organizer. He was tough with his fist. Played pianos at honky tonks, mm. and uh, the Lord got a hold of him, changed his life. Uh, but I basically took myself to church. My parents quit going when I was about six. Quit going regularly, mm-hmm. and uh, I just kept on going to the mainline denomination, and then was. Uh, Uh, Because of the company I grew up working for, they sent me to Mississippi, where my grandfather was, for a summer to work as an associate uh, manager, Mm -hmm. assistant manager. And during that summer, I accepted Christ. And when I did, I was baptized. I was 17. My grandfather got up in what was, at the time, the largest church, uh, independent Christian church in the state of Mississippi, uh, the next week he got up and said, in two weeks, my grandson will preach his first sermon. Y'all come out and hear him. And that was my first, uh, that, that's what I knew. But, uh, <laughs> brother Fred Huckleberry was his mm-hmm. name. He was a powerful evangelist. You didn't say no to him. So <laughs> <laughs> I preached at 17, wow. three weeks after I was converted and went home to go to high school, ended up in a, in a denominational college
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh to please some family situations and uh turned out it was the only church of new testament what we call a new testament christian church mm-hmm. between little rock and fort smith 150 miles hmm. and they were out in the hills uh it took me a couple of days to find them when i did i found out they needed a preacher they asked me to preach the next day and they hired me 13 months as a christian and 18 years old wow and uh I've been preaching ever since forty-five years. Last year, wow! Um, and so I was in local ministry in Arkansas in a couple of locations. Then moved to Colorado,
2: mm-hmm.
0: a couple of locations, some in new church work, and then to Oklahoma, and then back to Arkansas, and finally to Tennessee, where I was nine years with a new church. Mm-hmm. And um, through circumstances that God worked out, uh, was connected up with some folks who felt like there was a need for revival. Mm-hmm. They were financially able. They said, if you'll go, we'll send you. We won't ask for money. We'll take care of this. You go out and do the job. We believe it's needed. And if you'll go, we'll send you. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of years of that, I moved to North Mississippi to Mm -hmm. be near some family and help out with some elderly family members. And that's where I'm at right now, near the Tennessee line. Mm -hmm. And they have been traveling, like I said, for 17 years now.
1: Yeah. So I, two questions that popped in my mind first, uh, you kind of got thrown right into the fire as a new believer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure those were some interesting times.
0: Well, it was Mike, but, um, I was new. I was new to uh new Testament Christianity. Mm-hmm. I was new to a church that offered what we call an invitation or decision time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know where to start in the Bible. Uh, I did, uh, put together my first sermon with the help of some outlines that my grandfather laid before me that Mm -hmm. I could work on a seven minute sermon. It was really pitiful. (laughs) I got to admit, uh, but I gave an invitation because brother Fred did and something Uh like 30 folks walked forward that night. Wow. And I, I look back now and I think angels were pushing them forward to encourage me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it shows that God's word doesn't work. It, it, you That's can right. preach a pitiful sermon, and God's word will always take care of that. But uh, I knew right then and there what I was going to do with my life. Yeah, that very moment. And wow. uh, I I preached for a couple of years in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and then was ordained by my home church, and uh, have uh, just kept it up all these years.
1: Yeah. The the, What's the name- other
0: thing that came to mind if you. Remember?
1: Yeah. The the name Rock Solid Ministries, where did the name originate?
0: Well, now that's, that's interesting. Uh, this, uh, couple that asked me to do this work spoke with me for a, a couple of years. We talked about it. Mm-hmm. And when we finally decided we we're going to start back in 2004, we began talking about a name.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Solid Rock Ministries and things like that. You, there's a lot of that going around mm-hmm. and, and, uh, I actually put it to my oldest daughter who was a Bible college graduate and was very good with num- with names and mm-hmm. wording. Mm-hmm. And she gave us three or four names. And the one at the top was rock solid ministries, uh, based on Corinthians where they talk about, uh, God giving water from a rock and that rock was Christ.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so rock Solid ministries, the rock is Christ. And, uh, interesting, 10 years later we actually hired her mm-hmm. and she runs our office now I hired mm-hmm. her from another ministry and she runs her office.
1: Hmm. That's uh, you know, when, and I want to mention too, that you said it's supported, which means that you don't take any kind of uh, payment from the churches that you serve, right?
0: Oh, well, now we, we can for about the first eight years, six or eight years, mm-hmm. uh, we actually would just hand it back to a church if they tried to give it to mm-hmm. us. But so many people wanted to be involved in this ministry that uh, if a church wants to give an offering, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Greg Strickland is my associate evangelist and uh, neither he nor I take any money whatsoever, mm-hmm. even if a check is made out to us, which it rarely, rarely is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we stamp it. We have stamps that we carry with us, deposit only. We mail it to Kristen. Uh, we have a salary. Our expenses are taken care of. Uh, We don't. We have a very strict rule about that. Mm -hmm. That we we do not use money personally. If someone gives us ten dollars for a meal, we might take that, but we would report to everyone else on the team. I got ten dollars (laughs) cash, and they'll know that that month we should be one less receipt (laughs) coming in. (laughs) Well, Uh, we're very, very, very conscientious about that because that's a way that so many people fall
1: mm-hmm. and falter. That, and that's a true blessing to be able to do that, to go all over and do the ministry and not have to think about, you know, uh, am I going to be paid? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know
0: it's, it's nice to give. We, we worked a new church work in Colorado for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And I was always trying to raise funds like a missionary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always thought that when I was gone, they were going to put it on my tombstone and the beggar died. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's kind of nice now that I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. Uh but I, I should also add that over the years about 16 churches now have come on board and we've never asked them and always mm-hmm. told them to give it to someone else if they need to but they said we want to help support and about 15 or 16 families have helped this and mm-hmm. we have uh, materials that we give away free print give away free everything we do is even the CDs we give at our revivals of the sermons mm-hmm. are free. We never take money for them.
1: Mm, that's great. Um, okay. So now we've given a little bit of your background in and, and Rock Solid Ministries. I want to talk to you about now you travel uh, probably for a while wasn't traveling very much at all, if at all, uh, and, and I don't think you're traveling to Canada right now, but uh, maybe you are, but you're, you're going all around the country from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the North to the South, and you're seeing lots of churches, churches in rural areas, urban areas, all over, country churches. So what are you seeing as being the biggest challenge that seems to be common among many of these churches? Now, it can be COVID-related or it can be something else.
0: All right. Well, let me let me do say this, that, that last year we had about, uh, I don't know, seven or eight revivals in Canada. All, of course, were canceled.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and other churches in this country took those. We only had one this year and, in the fall, and they've gone ahead and canceled so that we can book someone else mm-hmm. because they said, at this point, we can't even leave our province. Mm. And tomorrow they may say we can, but certainly someone come from the from the U.S., yeah. Uh, they're very, usually pretty, fairly suspicious of people preaching the Bible anyway at the border.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, so that been canceled again. I'm sorry to say that cause we love the people in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say, uh, it, it's interesting because you mentioned I have a podcast and I interview a lot of preachers, missionaries, and mm-hmm. Christian musicians. And I, if I have time, I ask them, what do you see as the greatest challenge ahead of us? And I keep waiting for someone to say, well, it's going to be dealing with the government. No one has said that yet. They have so many different, (laughs) from different perspectives, the challenges they hit. Recently, Dr. Jim Spanotti, I interviewed, and uh, his podcast will come up soon. Mm -hmm. And uh, he talked about family being the biggest challenge, that only 7% of the families in this country now have both a a mother and a father. Mm. In the in the family unit, mm-hmm. only seven percent. Wow, I thought that was interesting. But I'm, I'm going to give you mine. Okay, and it encompasses a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, humanism. Mm. Humanism says the end of all being is the happiness of man. Mm-hmm. Well, we start we start folks off in school. Everybody's got to have a ribbon. Everybody mm-hmm. a participation ribbon. Uh, Nobody can lose. Everybody's got to have a smile on their face. Everybody's got to be happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, sometimes you need to learn, and I I don't mean this in a in a violent way, but sometimes as a kid, you got to learn. You gotta you gotta get a punch in the stomach to learn something. You know, you gotta lose a race.
2: Yeah,
0: and uh, humanism is 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 really a religion taught in our schools. Mm -hmm. Taught uh, it it come into our churches, uh, uh, and. Uh, this is really getting into some of my revival preaching, so I'll just kind of go that way. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's gotten in, into it to where, uh, uh, used to be it was, well, I want this certain color of carpet or I want this, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want that color of paint. Uh, then it was, if you don't sing the songs that I like, uh, then I'm not gonna come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a lot of the songs, uh, they, we, we need to think about the words that we're singing a lot of them are very much yes. i i i i i very much and and it's not uh, a lot of the new choruses are, are right out of scripture they're very fine choruses so mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not putting down contemporary christian uh, because you you take a look at uh, here's an old song i'm satisfied with just a cottage below a little silver and a little gold but in that mansion with a of shine I want a gold one that's silver lined will that <laughs> that sounds a little humanistic I, uh-huh. What I want and, and I love that song listeners don't get mad at me, don't send me letters okay? <laughs> uh, it, it's one wonderful song but uh, Christianity says the end of all being is the glory of God mm-hmm. and we've got, to, we've got to change our way of thinking as a church and happiness of man well I'm, I've been saying this a lot lately, people started going to church because they found out they were going to die and they were They were frightened. Mm -hmm. Now they're not going to church because they're afraid they're going to die. Well, uh, I think the biggest problem is we're looking out for number one and number one isn't Jesus. Number one is us. Mm -hmm. And uh, so often that's the case in the church, uh, in, in, in leadership. Uh, I'm not saying that's all across. There are many fine Christians who are walking daily with the Holy Spirit and their lives, they're reading the word of God and mm-hmm. they're growing and we meet so many of them. As my wife says, we're going to so, know so many more people in heaven than a lot of folks because mm-hmm. we get to travel. Mm-hmm. But our country is so different, Mike, mm-hmm. from the Northeast, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, and, and then you go down to Florida and then down to, to Texas, small towns uh, where there's old, uh, old mining towns mm-hmm. and you go to, to California or to Arizona, the desert, and uh, very different. I, I didn't realize That's how true. different our country was to I started traveling this much. And, uh, uh, but a lot of our churches, uh, I know of one that particularly still has not opened their doors. They've been closed for over a year. Wow. Uh, and and great people. Uh, but when we talk about persecuted church in this particular state, uh, there have been a lot of, uh, a lot of threats. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to name the church because I don't want to cause them problems. But even in their small community, they have received higher bills. And when the preacher went to talk to the city about, it, they said, "Well, you're you're a church. You, you, there's special taxes for you." Now, where did that come from, Mike? Right, right. That's in the United States of America. Hmm. And and uh, uh, the if we can close the church, if we can't close them one way. We'll use. The Alberta Health Services, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll bring in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and they'll they'll come in uh, in in unmarked cars and marked cars, mm-hmm. and close you down, put a fence up, and we're not that far away from. It. In fact, I don't think we're. I don't. I think it's happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is. Uh, we're just not hearing about it as much right now. Uh, so, uh, biggest challenge within the church is deal with the humanism.
2: Mm.
0: Quit thinking about yourself and put Jesus first, put the lost people, put the body of Christ out there. And, uh, we need, the world needs to see in us, Mike, they need to see a resurrected people mm-hmm. living new resurrected lives. hmm that's, that's what we need is we need revive. We need resurrection. I know that sounds like an evangelist. I'm sorry, but that's, you know, that's, that's what I am, brother. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you know, immediately I think of the verse that uh, I think it's in Corinthians where it says that, uh, those in Christ are a new creation. Why don't we act like it? We, we, we come in right. on Sunday morning and act one way, but our work face, our family face, our uh, friend face is different than what we show on Sunday morning. Uh, Maybe you've seen that too in different places, but it seems to be a real problem.
0: Last statistics I heard that since COVID hit, 30% of people who are attending church every Sunday are now not attending in person or online. Wow. Either one. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if, uh, the health department says you can't meet. What are we going to do when they come in and and really begin the persecution? Uh, Christianpost.com uh, shared back in 2015, so this is a ways back, mm-hmm. that between 2005 and 2015, 90,000 Christians were being martyred every year around the world. Now, I did read some reading, and some people say that's too high. Mm-hmm. But I've done some more reading and a lot of people say, no, that's too low because there's so many we don't know about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Ninety thousand martyred and we're staying home because of a virus that has less than one percent death rate. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not serious. Sure. I've I've done a funeral for a good friend mm-hmm. who died of it. I know how serious it is. Personally, I know how serious it is. But you know what? So is pneumonia. So is the right. flu. Let, let's be cautious. This, let, you know, let's be safe. But we don't walk away from as as the body, Mike. Right. We. I'm thankful that we have TVs, and we have new communication ways like what you and I are doing today, mm-hmm. uh, and and that people can watch online. But you you've heard the old story. If you take a piece of coal out of a fire and set it outside the fire, it's going to turn cold. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I've noticed if you take a log out of a fire and you set it in front of a, a, a YouTube channel and, and, it, and there's a roaring fire and a, you know, that you can watch on one of those cold nights mm-hmm. and you set it in front of the TV it's still going to turn cold. Mm. It's still going to be cold and take people out of the fellowship and you put them in front of a TV week after week, they're going to get colder and colder and colder Mm. that is not the assembly Mm -hmm. there's a reason the scriptures say forsake not the assembly Mm -hmm. and there's a reason the world wants us not to assemble right and they're using they're going to use every method they can to keep us from assembling
1: yeah
0: and we have to come to the conclusion do i really believe what i say i believe or don't i Mm. and how am i gonna how will i now live
1: yeah, and this concerns me, and you know I'm a media guy, so I'm all into you know, using every avenue that we can, but the idea that so many people have turned to the online version that they're like, oh, I don't really need to show up in person. But worse than that are the ones who then they can decide, well, I don't really need to watch that either, and they just go about their lives as if nothing is... You know. Or
0: they say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run to the store this morning and I'll watch it later. Right. And they never do. They don't. It's putting off your daily devotional and you, ne- you just, you, you never get back to it. I, I love to tell the story. Uh, uh, three or four months ago, I was in a revival and I, I told the people, uh, I was I was very sick before anybody knew what this stuff was. And I know two weeks and it, it, it was bad. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I understand that. But I, I tell people, that uh, I won't approach you if if you just hold your hands up. You don't want to be approached. Don't want me near you. That I understand, and I'm going to respect that. And mm-hmm. I think Christians need to respect people's you know uh, yeah, concerns. Absolutely. And I, I absolutely do. But I tell them in the church, if you want to shake my hand, put your hand out. I'm going to shake your hand. Mm-hmm. You want to bump fist or bump elbows, I'll do that. If you want to hug, and I'm going to get in trouble with this, you want to hug with or without a mask, I will hug you. Mm-hmm. I told this in one church and after services, a a little old lady walked up to me and she didn't have her mask on. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I didn't eat. I just finished preaching and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, Tom, I need a hug. Mm -hmm. Nobody has touched me in months. And she was in tears. Mm -hmm. And we just stood there and hugged. And every service we hugged before church and we hugged after church. Mm -hmm. We Need this touch? A, a friend of mine, uh, I was having breakfast with this morning. Pointed out the whole idea of the body. What the scriptures say? What Corinthians says about the hand and the feet? Mm-hmm. Think about it. you cut off a finger, you get it cut off, and you got to put that that thing on ice for a little while, and you know, and get it to the doctor. And if you don't get it slow back in, it it's going to spoil. It's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. You cannot cut a hand off and expect that it's going to keep living. Mm. You just can't do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and if we want to keep living, we've got to get back together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, 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 go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, and, and uh, follow God and not man.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, I'm not, I'm not saying don't walk circumspectly. Understand what's going on around you. Uh, if you have health issues, uh, deal with that like you would any other time. As one church told me in a state in the Northeast, um, they were told by their government shut down. They never did, mm-hmm. and and uh, they said we told our people treat it like a blizzard. Uh, if if you're afraid to come, you're afraid you might get hurt, don't come. We respect that, mm-hmm. but we are going to open up, and and we're going to worship God. We're going to be around the Lord's table. We always do, and that's what we're, and we're going to do it. And I think that's a good thing, be respectful of other
1: sure. people and yeah, worship. Yeah, absolutely, because that's what we're made for. We're made for, number one, we're made for interaction with one another, and you can't do that virtually as well as you can in person because there's so much that's lost. Um, okay, I, I want to ask you just you know so we can end on a positive note. Um, what? Uh, not, not that it hasn't all been positive, but— um, <laughs> I don't want to. I, sometimes I feel like I'm I'm getting really negative because when I start thinking and talking about the political situation, it just makes me uh ah, it makes me want to scream, which I'm sure you may be able to identify with as well.
0: I, I do, and I've listened to your podcast, and I I I know that you're ready to to uh, shout it out sometimes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. But you know, you see different churches. We talked about the challenges. I'm sure that you probably have some churches that you know of, who are doing things in a good way. They're moving in a good direction. They may not be thriving per se, but they are taking steps and they are trying to follow, number one, the Bible, what the Bible teaches and what the Bible tells us to do. But they are Really concerned about the lost, and they are really concerned about their communities and, and reaching those people. Uh, if you have any, a couple stories, maybe one or two, if you could share with us, I think that would be a real encouragement to the people listening.
0: Um, well, one, and I, again, I don't want to name it because it's in sure. Canada. Yep. Um, but I spoke with a minister up there who said uh, they're in a large city, and he said, honestly, we have grown. Hmm. During this, and that's was great news to hear from Canada because mm-hmm. of all that they've. And they've been through some tough times. What you know, what they they put on the churches there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and his church is growing. Uh, new people coming, people searching for the truth, and I think we are seeing that. Even though we may have lost a third who decided that they're not quite as dedicated as they were, we're finding people who are very concerned and they're looking for truth. Mm-hmm. And at this one particular church, and 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 one of the provinces in Canada, they're doing well. Uh, a, another church in Southeast Texas, a, a little church that, uh, for them, they were just doing great. They were going; they, they had over forty people, which was great for this little bitty church.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then COVID hit, and they, they they just took them back down to about ten, where they were when this preacher came. And and they were they had been doing outreach to the community. They were paying for uh, laundry. For people, it was it was play, uh, pay and pray. Mm. They were having time where people mm-hmm. come in. They would pay for your laundry and and pray for you for whatever you needed. That's unique. There some great outreach, yeah. and when all this kind of shut that down, uh, they did go uh, set up. Struggled, but they got they got set up online. And the preacher tells me that every week now the people are starting to come back. But every week he has over three hundred people watching his sermon from around the world. Wow! So <laughs> wow that that is. That's a, a, a positive thing. COVID did bring a lot of churches into the 21st century. Quickly. And And I think of another one in West Virginia mm-hmm. up on a hilltop. Uh, I was there uh, September, October last year. And um, I, and people listening, they may not believe this, but it's absolute truth. A little church, but it was packed shoulder to shoulder in every pew, even seats in the aisles for the revival. Mm. the people were so hungry they had uh, the churches in the area had not fellowship much so people came from churches all around a mm-hmm. uh, 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 big old fella big old west virginia boy was baptized that week it was a great week and uh, the preacher is doing uh, he has set up uh, uh, in their area they have uh, a four-wheel trail that people come from all over the country to ride the the uh, Hatfield-McCoy trail.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he started doing the Hatfield-McCoy ride for Christ. And uh, it, it, he's done it two years ago now, and mm-hmm. it's growing. That's something they can still do outside with COVID.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, well, there's some real positive things going on there. And when I meet, I'm, I still meet with preachers who are saying, you know, things are, things are going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not as well as we'd hoped, uh, maybe we have some setbacks, but Christ is still King. Amen. Uh, God is still on his throne mm-hmm. and we take our, our marching orders from him and no one else. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are finding ways, Mike. I, I, I've got to tell story. One other story, a church decided, the leaders decided to close down. We're mm-hmm. going to have to close down. But well, a lot of folks didn't want to. So uh, one member said, I'm opening my garage and for two weeks preacher went to the garage and they had services and the guy said okay this is not, we're going to open the church back up so <laughs> that was a, I, I like that that's a yeah. that's a good positive thing and we we see some great uh, some great things we're seeing people come to Christ in revival. Mm-hmm. and revival uh, and and for us as you mentioned we've started doing podcasting mm-hmm. and and we also have a YouTube page and can I mention our website yeah go please go ahead. ahead uh uh, rock solid ministries m-i-n-i-s-t-r-i-e-s dot o-r-g and you can click on the media button there. that'll get you to all of our our media and uh, also a daily devotional book a free a, a free uh, ibook you can download uh with daily devotionals and uh, just a lot of stuff there so check that out and, and we hope it'll, it'll minister to you so, one way or another
1: Yeah, Tom, I I really appreciate your ministry and and you and Beth uh, through the years and uh, and all that you're doing for the kingdom. Um, My prayer is that in spite of all the things that are happening with COVID, uh, different places being locked down in different states and countries, crazy stuff that governments are doing nowadays, that people will develop a new hunger for the word of God, and they will seek Him out. And they will live out their lives. You know, we talk about the, the the plan of salvation. Well, a lot of people get stuck at one point and they don't live that faithful life to the end. Right. So. Right. That's my prayer. Uh, again, I really want to thank you for joining us today. Please check out Rock Solid Ministries online and uh, uh, connect with Tom. And um, Tom, appreciate you being with us today. Um, Thanks for having. me. Sure right. a Pleasure Sure um, Well uh, We went a little bit long today But that's okay Because I really enjoy talking to Tom and, uh, and catching up with him And hearing what he has to say But let's not be The church at Laodicea Let's be Not lukewarm Let's get out there Let's do what needs to be done Take heart And realize As Tom said God is in control He's still on the throne And he knows how this ends And we know how it ends as well too Because Well, the word tells us how it ends Let this be an encouragement to you today Despite all the persecution And things that are happening And stuff that's coming to our own shores That we can always trust in Jesus Turn to him In times of trouble And trust him To be our savior This is Mike Lyons For the For the Uh world turned upside down podcast. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you later.